Well, good morning. Before we get started, I want to make sure everyone should have a little half a piece of paper on cardstock that you were given as you walked inside of the worship center this morning. If you didn't get one of those, I'm going to give you a second and just talk about nothing. And you can step back to our tables back there. They were not inside of our worship folder. So step back there and grab one. The graphic will be on the screen for you guys that are online. And uh, we're going to walk through a bit of an exercise this morning. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. And hopefully it'll uh, be something you can apply on day in and day out basis. So I'm so glad to be here. So glad that you're here. Uh, I want to pick on somebody in our worship center this morning. There is a young lady named Cecilia, and she sits on our front row. We just 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 wave at me real quick. She don't. It's just a little wave. All right, good. Cecilia's from China and came over here uh, this year as an exchange student. Lives with uh, Daniel and Alexis Head, and Alexis works here. She is the boss lady around here. And uh, Cecilia came over from China, and a couple of weeks ago came to know Jesus and was baptized in front of her friends at her school and so we didn't get to celebrate that as a church family but we're so grateful for you and so excited about that decision you made and praying for you as you begin your spiritual journey so can y'all clap for her this is a big deal and so so grateful for that and uh so that well this is my favorite time of the year all right october we're about halfway through october and this is my favorite month of the year and there's a lot of reasons why I can open up all my windows without fear of allergies as well as it's cool enough to enjoy the weather y'all been there right woke up yesterday morning and it was like I wanted to spin around like the lady in sound of music and just say this is incredible uh, I love it because it's boiled peanut weather y'all y'all know what I'm talking about right it's that time of the year you can watch college football all day. The leaves are changing, but it's not too cold and it's definitely not hot anymore. But here's the deal. About June, I start really wanting it to be October. Y'all with me? Because as you get into the dog days of the summer, especially here in Georgia, and I used to live in New Orleans and in South Georgia, and those are really the dog days. And I don't know why you people go to Florida during the summer, because that's where you spontaneously combust. But hey, you do you. And all that stuff. So as I get to about June, I start to have to develop some type of patience in my life to wait for cooler weather. Patience in my life to, life to wait for hopefully one day, and I've been waiting for this for about, I don't know, 15 years for the Braves to make it to the National League Championship Series. Patience in my life for 41 years to see Georgia rank number one. Patience in my life to see all these things happen because this being my favorite time of the year, it's time for mountain streams, it's time for going outside. If you're a hunter, I'm all into that too. It's time for boiled peanuts, it's time for the leaves to change. I got two big maple trees in my front yard, and it's just beautiful the different color this is my favorite time of the year right but you got to have a lot of patience because come november there are no leaves there's no football bowl peanuts have gone away no longer hunting no longer college football the braves will probably lose and it's just bad <laughs> patience is a virtue and as we've walked through this teaching series called peeled we're studying the fruit of the spirit and one of this, these fruits or these virtues that's discussed in this is the idea of patience. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 23 through 23, we've been in this series for several weeks. We're going to finish it out. We're going to study each word. But here's what we've learned so far. Number one, the struggle is real, right? To live the Christian life, it is a struggle. It is difficult. Because while you are born of the Spirit, meaning Jesus came into your life, you're captured into him you were a part of the flesh and yet you still live here in the realm of temptation in your earth suit in this world where life is difficult 
And so the struggle between what is of God and what is not God and, God and the thing that you combat, the thing that I combat is very real. So don't ever think you got to be perfect because you're not. Jesus is. One day he's going to perfect you and he is perfecting you now. The other thing that we learned is that in order for us to really grow this fruit, to grow these virtues in our life, we have to put forth some effort. You can't do it just by sitting still, right? You have to move forward. You have to put some effort in. God is going to produce the fruit, but how big that fruit gets is up to you. And then the third thing we learned is we look through these different fruits, these different virtues. Let's throw it up on the screen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. The Apostle Paul writes, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now, focus in on this. It's not the fruit of your human effort. This is not the fruit of what you can produce on your own. This is what God places in the life of every believer. If you know Jesus, it's there. Now, it may be covered up. It may be minuscule, but it's there. Y'all understand that? And there's developed, they're, they're divided up into three different triads. The first triad we've studied, love, joy, and peace. Loving God most help us love each other. What? Best. And the love of God, that sacrificial agape love, we study that. Joy. That's the superstructure with love being the foundation is that joy does not, not, is not determined by our circumstances but determined by our relationship and whether we choose or not to focus on it. And then the crowning piece of this triad is peace itself. It's the peace that God offers even in the midst of chaos. So this is that Godward triad. Then we move to, to, to manward. We're going to start with that this morning. Forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness. Those things that you show to other people even when they don't deserve it. And then we go in a couple of weeks to that selfward. What happens internally? Notice what happens here. Faithfulness, gentleness, and then self-control. These virtues that we're developing as we live out our life. But let's go back to verse 22. This morning we're going to deal with a very, very difficult virtue to apply. This idea of forbearance or patience. We're just going to use the word patience from here on out. I don't know about you, but patience is not a virtue that's very big in my life. Are y'all with me on that? We lose our patience all the time. We've heard about patience our entire life. In fact, your parents or your guardian or somebody in your life just probably said, hey, look, just have a little what? Patience. It's going to happen. But I don't like to wait. In fact, our culture is totally against waiting for anything. You better find your happiness right now. You better get your hamburger right now. You got to have everything, what, right now. Thousands of us in this community are going to sign up for a gym membership January 2nd. And we want to be in shape, what, right now. There should be some kind of chemical formula or medicine or a drink that you drink when you sign up for a gym membership that automatically deletes 20 pounds and gives you abs of steel on January 2nd when you sign up. But that doesn't real. It takes time and effort, agreed? Don't like to wait. Did you know that the average American through their lifetime, you're gonna hate this stat, through their lifetime waits in line for a total of five years during their lifespan. Most of that is at Disney World <laughs> or at the DMV, right? <laughs> five years of your life, you've waited in line. Six months of your life, you waited a stoplight. At least you should. Six months. Listen to this one. 46 days. You've waited on hold with someone from overseas. <laughs> you been there? And there's always been that point. You've, stand, you've stood in line. 
Maybe it was McDonald's, maybe it was Disney, maybe it was Six Flags, maybe it was a DMV. And internally, you're trying to smile, but internally you're going, hurry up! Y'all been there? You've waited at a stoplight and you're in a hurry. The milk's about to spoil, you're running late for a meeting, whatever it may be, and you're just, with everything that's within you, trying not to honk the horn, right? Now, if you move outside of Georgia, everybody does that. But here you might get beat up, right? <laughs> And then how many times have you got online with somebody on the phone and all you want to do is speak to a human? You been there? I have punched every button on the phone trying to find somebody that actually breathes. We hate to wait. But it's not just impatience with waiting in line. It's impatience with people. How many of you lost your patience with your kids? Raise your hand. Everybody, if you got kids, better raise your hand. How many of you lost patience with your significant other? If you have a significant other, raise your hand, all right? How many of you lost patience with just somebody that you work with? Raise your hand. How many of you lost patience waiting on the weather to change? How many of you lost patience in waiting for your vacation to get here? How many of you lost patience with just people in your life that drive you crazy? Everybody, we lose patience. So here's what we're going to struggle with this morning. How do we develop patience in our life without losing our minds? Because here's the thing, and I learned this in my spiritual journey early on, never, ever pray for patience. Because God will put you in a position to where you have to utilize it. So now my prayer is, God, give me strength. <laughs> so here's the key, and this is what we're going to deal with this morning. In order to have patience, you have to learn to waltz. And I use that word very specifically. Now we're going to come back to that in a minute. Now you know what a waltz is? It's a form of dance, right? We have to step with each other and move almost in a circle. Now, we're going to deal with that in a few minutes. So you have to learn to waltz. But first, let's deal with this word patience here. Let's understand what it means. Go back to your text there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience. Now, that word patience is an interesting word. And when you see it through the entirety of the New Testament, it basically is made up of two root words. And this is important that you understand this. The first root is this word that we find in the New Testament called martos, which means long. If you see it in Scripture, you'll see the word long-suffering. Have you ever heard that word before? The other word that you have that's connected with it is thumas, which means anger. So literally translated, patience is long anger, or for our discussion this morning, we have in the English text, is to have a long fuse. Now, we have all know people have a short fuse, agreed? But what patience is, is that everything is coming at you with all the chaos, with all the problems, with all the issues, is that in the midst of your personal storm, in the midst of waiting in line, in the midst of just waiting on whatever it may be, you are to have a long fuse. I have a great Pyrenees. They are wonderful dogs. They weigh about 100, I have two of them, they weigh 120 pounds apiece. They can put their paws on my shoulders and look me in the eye. It's a little bit intimidating. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But they are the most gentle creatures I've ever been around. A couple years ago, our first great Pyrenees, Duke, was out there, all 120 pounds of him. We got a little puppy, a little beagle puppy named Bandit, most adorable puppy you've ever seen. He's about this big. He's my son's dog, and we let him play with Duke. We knew Duke wouldn't do anything to him. In fact, Duke would protect him. But Duke would lay over in the sunshine like dogs do. Y'all seen them do that, right? But here comes that puppy, Bandit, and he's the happiest dog I've ever seen. Bandit gets on top of Duke, pulls his ears, scratches his face, 
nuzzles up next to him, jumps on top of his body, and all Duke wants to do is take a nap. And in my mind, that is the patience that God calls for. That's the long fuse. It's the ability to explode but contain yourself. Now, I know some of us in this room, and I know myself, many of us are not patient people. In fact, we're a hair trigger, aren't we? We're a breath away from exploding. We're one, we, we are one button away on the phone from losing our religion, right? So this waltz that we're going to talk about in a few moments, this patience that we're called to develop is important, but let's, let's, let's deal with it at a deeper level because we have examples of it in Scripture. There's the example of people like Job. You've heard of him in the Old Testament. There's a whole book committed to him. In fact, that is the oldest book in the Bible. Job is called the suffering servant, much like Jesus, even though towards the end of all the suffering that he endured, you can read this book for your own. It, he was a guy that suffered through it with complete patience. And you've heard these people say he had the patience of Job. Is that in the midst of all the things that was going on, he didn't blow up. Then we see other people in Scripture. One of the people I think of when I think of patience is Noah. Think about Noah for a second. For 40 days and 40 nights, it rained, it poured, it flooded. He was stuck on a boat with his three sons and their wives and his wife and all these stinking animals. At some point, somebody lost it. Y'all with me? Think about Moses. For 40 years, he led the people of Israel through the desert. And he dealt with complaint after complaint after complaint after complaint. He had to have some patience, right? But I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at two people that we kind of read over in Scripture that I think exhibit patience or long-suffering or having a long fuse. There's some lessons we can learn from them. We're going to talk about how to develop this patience in a moment, but there's some things that I want to just kind of point out in their life as, as we try to seek to develop some form of patience on our own. Now, Jesus has been born in Luke chapter 2. After seven days, they take Jesus to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. The firstborn was always brought to the temple. The firstborn male was always brought to the temple, and they committed this child to the Lord. Jesus being Mary's firstborn child, they took him to the temple, brought him before the Lord. And notice what happens here. We're going to go to, uh, let's go to verse 41. Every year, Jesus, I'm sorry, not 41, I'm sorry, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites were required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated or committed to the Lord. And to offer up a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Now, I want you to listen to Simeon's life here for a moment. You've read this possibly in the, in the nativity narrative before, but sometimes we skip right over this guy as well as the lady we're going to talk about in a moment. Simeon was righteous and devout. Now, I want you to really hone in on these two words here, righteous and devout because you're going to see this in the life of Anna in just a moment. But Simeon was righteous in the fact that he followed the Lord. He did not, not just doing his best to do what is right, but his righteousness was because he had faith in God, but he was also devout. He was committed. That word devout means it clung to him and he clung to it. You follow me on this? Now read a little further here. He was righteous and devout, and then notice what happens here. He was waiting on the consolation of Israel, 
and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now, this is an important verse here. The consolation of Israel was that God was going to bring the Messiah and bring it to Israel. You follow me on that? And he was waiting on Jesus, literally. And it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, let me kind of help you understand a couple of facts here. Now, as a New Testament believer, and that's you, you have Christ in your life. He saved you. He reconciled you to God. And one of the permanent, hear me on that, and I really, I really stress this word, permanent marks of a Christian is the Holy Spirit is in you. There's a lot of debate within Christianity about what that looks like, but here's the basic outline. He is your seal, S-E-A-L, which means he demonstrates that you are a believer, much like if you were to go to the grocery store today and you were to buy a gallon of milk and there's a seal of freshness around it. Or you open up a pack of Tylenol, you open that up and there's a seal over it. If it's been tampered with, you don't use it, right? The seal promises that that thing that you're buying is okay. The seal in your life is the seal of a king, much like he would use a signet ring on a ball of wax to say, this is my word. That's the Holy Spirit in your life. Convicting, approving, leading, enlightening, directing, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit still existed, even though you don't see those words. But what was different for the Christian and for the Old Testament believer is that the Holy Spirit would come and go out of someone's life. Like, well, Chip, where do you see that? You look at King Saul in the Old Testament. The Spirit was upon him, the Spirit left him. In fact, there's only one or maybe two guys in the entirety of Old Testament where the Holy Spirit was with him the whole time. One was King David. But one of the blessings of being a believer is that your life, my life, is not based upon works, it's based upon grace, it's based upon Jesus, and God is in you permanently. You follow me on this? So when we read this here, this is pre-crucifixion, it says the Holy Spirit was on him. That's a big deal. That's huge, and notice what happens here. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit. So all this time, God is speaking, God is convicting, God is moving in his life. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms. Now, think through this. You're a new mom. You're walking your child through church, and this guy approaches you you've never seen before. And he says, let me see your baby. It would not go well, right, Naley? Mama Bear would come out. So this guy, filled with the Holy Spirit, is led into the temple. He sees Mary and Joseph. They're bringing in the baby Jesus, and he's all of a sudden told, that's him. That's it. Now, notice what he says here. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people Israel. Now, i got time to do this this morning, but I want you to notice that last verse, verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, meaning Simeon, a good, devout Jew, knew that this Messiah was not just for Jewish people, but for all people. You get that? This is so big because I'm a Gentile. <laughs> I'm as Scott Irish as you can get. 
but yet Christ chose to save me. That's a big deal. The child's father and mother, they marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And that was metaphorical about when Christ was crucified. It would hurt her. Now, all this understand what's happening here. This man was old, and this man wanted to go to heaven. You see that? Go back to verse 29. Sovereign Lord, you promised, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He could leave now. He could transition to heaven. So we got a couple things going here. We see this patience of this man, and you see a couple of characteristics in his life. Righteousness, devoutness, and submissiveness. Do you see that? He was righteous, even in the midst of the turmoil of the Roman Empire coming in and tearing the nation apart. He was devout. He was clinging to something that clung to him. And he was submissive to what God wanted. He listened to the Holy Spirit. If that's not the definition of what patience should be, I don't know what it is. Let's skip down one more. I'll give you another example here. All together. There was a prophet. Her name was Anna. In verse 38. 36, I'm sorry. I need reading glasses. There was a prophet. Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Now, I'm sure she didn't appreciate when Luke wrote that, okay? But we're going to think she's already gone to heaven. <laughs> she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Okay, she probably got married when she was 15, all right? So from 22 years old to about 84 years old, she was a widow. And this was her practice. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all, that, all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, let's get a key here. I want you to understand something. Go back, go back to verse 37, right after it says she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Okay, let's think about the patience she had to have. She lost her husband. She was married for seven years. And for the next, I don't know, 62 years, she spent time being devout, being righteous, and being submissive. Do you see that? All these things are happening. There's your example of patience. Yes, we can look to Jesus. There's no doubt he's patient with us. The Bible tells us that over and over again. In a moment, we deserve for God just to go, done. So there's long suffering in the person of God. But when we look at humanity itself, we see something practiced here that is admirable and also very applicable. So the question we want to deal with is how do we become like Simeon and Anna? What are some things that we can do? Because understand this, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's there. Patience can be accomplished. God is putting in your life and empowering you, but there's some fertilizer that you need to add to that soil, right? There's some things that you have to do. Your salvation is all Jesus. Your growth is you and Jesus. So what are some things that we do here? So a couple of things we want to point out here. First of all, those who cling to hope have something worth waiting for. If you cling to Jesus, there is something worth waiting for. So important to know that. Is that the here and now is not the forever after. And very specifically, what we're waiting for 
is we have to build on our hope. We have to build on that hope. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus uses this illustration to say there was two men, one built their house on the rock and one built their house on the sand. And when the waves came, the one built on the rock stood and the one that built on the sand was washed away. There's your first key there. So first of all, what are you clinging to? What are you devout? What are you devoted to? And how are you building or what are you building on? And there's two little things there that we need, to carry, we need to carry home with us. First is we first have to build on truth. What are you building on? First, hopefully it's truth. We don't want to build on a lie, but so many of us do that, right? The reason we lose patience is because we believe I deserve to be at the front of this line. My life's more important than that person's. Y'all with me on that? If we were really dig deep into the recesses of our soul, that's where it's at. We build on the truth that we don't deserve any of this, but Jesus gives it. And then we build on that truth with trust. We build on that truth with trust. God, I trust in your truth. Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. David, the psalmist in this passage, writes something very specific. He said, I waited what? Patiently on the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on the rock. And then he goes on to say, he gave me a firm place to stand. But go back to verse 1. I waited patiently. We're all going to wait. But the determination is whether I'm going to wait with a long fuse or a what? Short fuse. Truth, trust. And then a key element to this is developing is those who trust and hope continually fix their eyes on it those who trust and hope continually fix their eyes on it what does that mean well if you're trusting in Jesus you have to put into practice to completely turn to that all the time we do that with reflection is reflecting back on how much we need him and then reliance Lord we need you in every area reflect back and rely on you follow that because we're building up hope. We're built on it, but we also have to build it up with reflection and reliance. Now, we come to this place and we have to deal with some things because what we have to understand is that as we maneuver through life, the knee-jerk reaction of all of us is when we have to have patience is that we have to conjure it up from somewhere. And in some, some ways you do. But as a believer, it's there already. You just have to uncover it and fertilize it. So understand, it's not about sink or swim. It's but learning to float. What, what do we mean by that? It's, it's, it's about sink or swim. It's not about sinking or swimming. It's learning to float. Psalm 46, verse 10, I love this. Be still and know, y'all have heard this before, that what? I am God. He is God. Literally, in the Hebrew, it says, cease striving. See, God's calling you to float on his promises. Not about sink or swim. He's calling you to rest. He's calling you to be patient by trusting. To have that long fuse. 
friend of mine last week had a 14-hour surgery. He's 39 years old, has cancer in his colon. The tumors were so large, this is the second round of it. And for 14 hours, for 14 hours, they, had, they couldn't go to the hospital because of all the pandemic stuff. They had to wait patiently by the phone. Can y'all imagine that? And the, and the thing is, it's not about sink or swim at that moment. It's the learning of to cease striving to be still and know that he's God, right? Learning to float. So let's get really practical for a few moments. And I want you to take this little card out. And I want to teach you a little exercise here. Now, this is something we do in some of our discipleship groups. And we want to do it as a whole, as a church, because I think it's valuable to us. And it's called the gospel waltz. Remember what I said at the beginning is that we want to develop patience. We have to learn to waltz, right? And so this waltz, this, this uh, dance that we have with the Lord is important for us to develop patience. And I bet there's some thoughts that come into your brain sometimes that aren't of God or some insecurities or issues. And so what I want you to do here, and this is kind of fuzzy, that is not your eyes, is I want you to understand how to waltz here. In the middle of that little circle there is something that says context, and there's a lot of different questions all around it. Here's your context. What are you struggling with? What do you have an impatience with? What is the mind game you're playing? So I just, let's just do this really practically for a moment, okay? The mind game that you might be playing is that you're at the DMV waiting to get your license renewed. And you've already missed one appointment because you forgot you had to have a passport, a birth certificate, and your blood drawn. You know what I mean? So you're there, and you get there, and it's a packed house. And everybody's sitting in chairs somewhere. And you take a number, and it's like your number 150 of 200 people waiting. And the six people in front of you are all 16-year-olds that have got to take their driver's test. You know, that's 30 minutes each. So you're just brought a lunch. You know what I mean? And in your mind, it's like you have no idea, no idea how busy I am. You, in your mind, you're like, I'm going to miss this. I'm wasting my life. I'm frustrated. That turns into anxiety, which maybe turns into frustration, which turns into anger. Y'all been there before? So how do we waltz through that? How do we apply the gospel to that situation? Well, let's notice what happens first and foremost, and you can start at any place on this circle, but notice what happens here. How does my failure here show my need to repent? Well, your failure right there is possibly, at least for me, my failure is not to value myself above other people. And I need to repent of that. I need to deal with these questions. What do I need to confess of? What could be a root to my sin or unbelief? Maybe I'm selfish. Maybe I need to deal with that question. What is my chief temptation here? Well, it possibly is to go punch the person in the face. I don't know. But they're there. So you talk to God. Lord, I repent. I'm messing up here. You can apply this to your marriage. What's the root issue here? Why am I impatient with my spouse? Why do I feel like that when they show up late or they're staring at the television not talking to me, why does it make me so angry? Let's deal with that root cause. And then you have to move into that circle and you have to believe. What does that mean? You believe that Christ has forgiven you. You believe that he is instilling you this patience, that it's there. 
And you just have to uncover it and add fertilizer. You believe that you, you deal with this passage of Scripture to wait patiently on the Lord. You believe that no matter how bad it gets in your situation, one day it gets a whole lot better. Y'all with me? And then you obey. What is God saying about this situation? What does the Word say? How is the Holy Spirit prodding you? And what action should you take? Well, as you're sitting in the DMV and you've wrestled with this whole impatient moment, and the temptation is to go punch somebody in the face or stand up and scream. And the Lord, I believe that there's a purpose here for me. I believe that you maybe need to, I may need to quiet my soul for a moment and read my Bible app. I believe maybe the person next to me may need Christ and I just need to listen and just sit in this moment. So I repent. I believe. So God, how do I follow? What do I need to obey here? Maybe the obedience is Psalm 4610. Cease striving at this moment and know that he is God. You can apply this to everything in your life. In your parenting, when your toddlers are climbing up the curtains, at your workplace, when people are losing their minds, in any stressful situation. Lord, I need to repent, I need to believe, and I need to obey. You follow me on this? That's the waltz. So put this in your car. Put this in your Bible. Put it somewhere. You can Google this. This is online. You can save it to your screen. You can take a picture of it. We'll put it back up on, on, uh, for a moment. If you want to do that, if you're at home, you need to take a screenshot of that, whatever you got to do. But that's the waltz. That's the waltz. So I have two questions for you for application this morning. Where do you need to waltz? Where do you need to waltz? And where do we as a church need to waltz? I've been very impatient in some ways about what God is leading us to do in the future. In the last 30 days of prayer have taught me, chill. <laughs> Y'all with me? Where do you need to waltz? What do you need to waltz in? And where do we as a church need to waltz? You follow me on this? My first, my, my first full-time ministry job, I was, very, I was blessed with an incredible mentor. His name was Dr. Al Wright still the pastor at First Baptist Waynesboro, Georgia. Last time I met with him, which was probably 10 years ago, he's been there for like 30 years, and I'm like, what a legacy. He said, I'm baptizing the children. Of, I baptized when they were children. Isn't that kind of cool? He's been there that long. I can only hope for that here. And uh, I'll never forget, I was there for two years as a student pastor, and his children were in my student ministry, and his wife developed a brain tumor. And so it just rocked the whole church. His family was precious. They were precious to me. I'm trying to find the best way to minister to their 14-year-old son. And so thankfully we were near Augusta and all the medical facilities there. Found out the tumor was not uh, malignant. It was benign, but it still had to be removed. And it was a dangerous surgery. Lasted for hours. So sitting in the hospital rooms there waiting for the doctors to come out. He told us, he said, you know, and he had friends and church members around him praying for him, encouraging him, being there, helping him wait patiently, you know. He says, you know, I spent the whole morning in the chapel at church praying here at the hospital, the chapel at the hospital, praying, asking God to do something to save me, to save my wife, to heal us, to give us strength. And I finally got son and said amen and walked out the door. And as I opened up the door, God said, you're not done. You forgot to praise me. Guys, I think the greatest place of patience is worship that's why we sing that's why you play the Christian music on your radio going down the road 
That's why you have it on your phones, and that's why you sing it in your heads, because when those impatient situations happen, you need a song. You need to raise a hallelujah, right? You need to acknowledge he's king of kings. You need to stand amazed in the presence. Because in those moments, without Jesus, there is no dance. But with Jesus, you can waltz right through it, right? Through his power, he's placed in your life. This morning, you may be here, you may be online, you don't know Christ. We're going to throw a number up on the screen that you can text to and say you need Jesus. You may be here and you need to fill out that connect card to say I need Jesus today, but take that step and begin to pursue his life. Pursue that dance of waltzing with him as you develop that patience that we desperately need. Y'all with me? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And God, let's, I, I just pray, Father. I don't like to pray for patience, Lord. I don't want to pray for patience, God. But Lord, I, I, I do pray that as we wait on you to move, whether it may be a heart cry to say, Lord, heal me, it may be a cry saying, Lord, provide for me, Lord. It may be a cry just, Lord, to strengthen us. I pray, Father, we would do it and do that waiting patiently. That we would do it and have that long fuse, empowered by your presence and overwhelmed by your gospel. So, God, as we leave here this morning, as we log off online, let us stand amazed. Let us proclaim the King of Kings. Let us raise that hallelujah of knowing that you have got this. So as we struggle in the trust of that truth and the reliance on that reflection, let us waltz right through this with your presence and in your power. In Jesus' name we pray.